Good afternoon, this is Quintus Curtius, and welcome back to Fortress of the Mind. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about an email that I received from a reader asking some generalized questions that I think I might be able to help shed some light on. But before we get into that, before we probe into that, I first want to tell a story. And the relevance of this story will become apparent as I get further and further into the podcast. But for now, let me just tell the story. It um, it goes back to 1989, back when I was a, uh, a candidate at uh, Officer Candidate School, OCS, the Marine, Marine Corps Officer Candidate School in Quantico, Virginia. And it's funny how as you get older, you remember these little stories, these little fragments of uh, experience that dot different parts of your life and you can somehow tie them all together in some sort of coherent form as you get older hopefully but anyway when you're an OCS one of the responsibilities that you have to do is you have to do all all sorts of graded exercises all these various different courses and exercises and drills and different things and there are instructors who are always observing you and grading you to evaluate your suitability to be an officer. And one of those events was some sort of land navigation exercise we had to do where you get a compass and a map and you've got to go out and find different points and navigate from one place to another over wooded terrain in a certain period of time. Kind of standard stuff. And... You know, there's an old saying in the Marine Corps that you never forget the face or the name of your first drill instructors. And boy, is that true. I remember the names, faces, heights, shapes, everything about my platoon sergeant and sergeant instructor. And I'm not going to give their names in this podcast because even after all these years, there's always that chance out there that... uh, Someone, someone might know who these people, <laughs> who these people are, and I would not want to, uh, to embarrass anybody. But anyway, I'll, I'll use, uh, I'll just speak of them in general senses. But my, my platoon sergeant was a, a huge, huge guy from Mississippi, shaved head, huge, huge white guy, with a shaved head, who was built like a tank, who had arms like tree trunks, as far as I was concerned back then probably still would think the same thing today. But he was just one of these intimidating, glowering figures that would just, could just cut you to ribbons just by looking at you. And so we all avoided him, of course. But anyway, I was on this land navigation course, and I had finished it, and I had turned in my scorecard. And... um, it's hard to explain, but there's a certain demeanor that you need to keep in, in high-pressure environments like officer candidate school. You you kind of never want to stand out for anything. You never want to skyline yourself. Because if you stand out or if you skyline yourself, you're opening yourself up to harassment. And that can make your life very, very un- unpleasant. It's almost like being in a prison camp where, <laughs> where, you've, where you've got guards who you don't want to attract the unwelcome attention of 
So in any case, and, and those those of you listening who've been in the Marine Corps will know exactly what I'm talking about. And those who don't know what I'm talking about, well, just take it from me. Just trust me on that. Anyway, I turned in my scorecard to this guy. And my objective was to, to just to get away from him as quickly as possible and just go on to the next line I had to get into or rally point or wherever it was. But somehow I made the mistake of saying thank you to him. He said something to me. I don't remember exactly what it was. And I think I was just so grateful just to be done with the exercise and to have accomplished it successfully that I was just overjoyed. You just get these moments of emotional intensity. And I said thank you to him. And he immediately picked up on that. He said, he said don't thank me, boy. You go on, get moving. And he said it in that deep, that Mississippi accent, that, that, that hardcore Southern accent. And I didn't really understand it at the time as much as I do now. But what he was really saying was when he, when he said, don't thank me, don't thank me, boy. What he meant was when you do a good job, when you've accomplished something in life, when you've done your best at something, be a man, take responsibility for it and own it. Don't go around thanking people or apologizing for what you do or looking for permission from people for what you do or say. That's not what a man does. A man just does. He acts. He does what he has to do. He accomplishes what he has to accomplish. And he doesn't need the thanks of other people. You don't need to get the approval of other people. And that's what he was really saying to me. He was helping me at that tender age, that tender age, remember this was 1989. So let's see, I was born in 1968, so you do the math. I was a young guy, a very young guy. What he was helping me do was to help, he was helping me to unlearn this behavior pattern that so many young men today are thrust into, this obsequious, ass-kissing behavior pattern where you have to beg other people for permission. You have to apologize for who you are. You have to beg someone's sufferance. You have to ask by your leave for everything. And that can have a very deleterious effect, a very negative effect on a man's self-esteem after a while. This groveling type of mentality can really seep into your subconscious. And that's the type of thing that he was helping me unlearn. That's the type of thing he was helping me to unlearn. And all he had to do was say one sentence. Don't thank me, boy. Get your ass moving. It was all he had to say. And it's funny how in life, just those little little stories, those little experiences, he didn't have to sit down and give me a detailed explanation. All he had to do was just use one sentence, and the context provided the rest. The context provided the rest of the explanation. So, I want you to keep that story in mind. I want you to keep that ethic, that, that way of thinking in mind. As I move on to this email that I got from a reader, from a young guy, I got this email a few days ago, and let me go through it a little bit. 
He says, hello, Quintus, hope you're doing well. I want to start my email with a huge thank you for what you're doing. I'm taking my hat off. Uh, thank, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I'm not going to go into some of the specifics of what he's saying because it's kind of private, confidential stuff for him. But the, the basics of what he's stating about himself is that he's in a difficult situation. His father died a couple years ago at the age of 42. And the father was one of these guys who was in private, uh, a private medical uh, type of business. And he was a workaholic. He was always away from the house. He was always working. And when he wasn't working, he was relaxing and watching TV. And this guy, the email writer, he's a young guy. He's in his early 20s. And when his father died, it really kind of shook up his whole world. He really experienced something like delayed shock. At first, he was in denial about it. At first, he was in denial about it. And then after that, he gradually came to understand the magnitude of what had happened and the reality of what had happened. And then he says he began to feel bitterness and anger. And he said that he has really feels like he has no connections to any sort of father figure that can help him. And he says, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, reading different books, talking to different people. But I really feel like I'm, I'm missing out on something by not having a father. And I really feel bitter about that. And I think that's what this, this guy is really trying to say. He's getting ready to graduate from his university and he doesn't really have any idea where he should go, where he should move to, or what he should do. So his question to me is, is this. He says, so my question is, where you have to search for answers when you lost your main life mentor and you're a bit stuck with searching for the meanings of life? Any advice would be great. And again, thank you for what you're doing. All right, so th that's the basic outline of this guy's problem. He's in a situation where his father died at a, at a young, at an early age, and he feels like all he has right now in his life is his mother, and he's a little bit estranged from his mother. And I don't get any indication from this email that he has any brothers or sisters, so I'll take that as a no, that he's alone. And so he feels a tremendous amount of bitterness. He feels a tremendous amount of alienation and and. And frankly, delayed shock. And let me give you my thoughts on this. All right. Let me give you my thoughts. You know, I wish I could sit here and tell you over the microphone that life was fair and that it all works out in the end and that somehow you're going to be able to turn this hardship into some sort of positive thing and all that stuff. But you know what? I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I can do that really at this point. And let me tell you why. You know, Sylvester Stallone once gave an interview, and I think this was after he had suffered some very severe personal tragedy. I think he'd had a death in his family. Someone close to him had died. And he said, you know, the 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 stereotype is that, you know, when someone close to you dies, it helps make you stronger, it helps make you better, it helps all this other stuff. And he says, I don't I don't really believe that. He said I think in many ways, it, it kind of takes something out of you. It takes something away from you. It takes something out of you. 
And so in the same way, when I read this email, I wish I could tell this young guy that, oh, don't worry, you know, the loss of your father is somehow a positive and you're going to be able to make the best of it and all this other stuff. Let me tell you what I really think, okay? I think life in many ways is is very unfair. There are some people that have to endure a lot of brutal hardships and there are other people who seem to coast by without really having to ever really get their hands dirty. Now, I do think everybody pays their dues in their own way, and I've said that before, but let's face it, some people's dues are higher than others. So I wish I could tell you, man, I wish I could sit here and tell you that everything in life is fair and it all works out and it's all part of some grand design. But you know what, man? You know, life can be very, very unfair. And you got hit with a very hard blow. And I'm, I feel very bad about that. I feel very bad for you, man. I'm sorry that that happened to you, man. I'm sorry. And I can only imagine how hard it must be. I can't visualize how hard it is because it never happened to me. I'm not walking in your shoes. But it must be very hard. And I think the first step in overcoming that is acknowledging the hardship of that. It is hard. You know, it's it's hard it's hard just going through the world even if you've got both parents or even if you've got an older brother or sister or whatever. It's hard. All right. Now, having said that, I also believe that we can't dwell on that too much because if you focus on that and if you dwell on that, it's going to eat away at you. It's going to eat away at you. It's going to corrode your soul. And it's going to turn you into a bitter person. And that's the worst thing that can happen. It's the absolute worst thing that can happen to you is to become bitter about things like this. And one of the reasons why I so much value the study of history is because if you read enough history and if you learn enough examples of different things, chances are someone in the past has found a way to deal with the very same problem that you have. And if you can learn how this other person dealt with their problems, then it may inspire you, or it help. It may help give you clues on how you can solve your own problem. So history then becomes a tool of instruction. And so what I want you to do, what I want you to do is... Go to my website. If you go to my website and if you look on the if you look on the right side of your screen, I'm assuming you're using a desktop. If you're using a handheld, it's probably going to be in a different place. But if you go to the um, the uh, the homepage on my website, there's a there's a section on on the right. If you go below the books, if you scroll down, you go below. Um, there's a section here that says podcasts, iTunes podcast, YouTube channel, and then categories. There's a category there of travel and exploration. If you click on that tab, there's stories of all sorts of travelers. And it's a, uh, a body of articles that I'm going to be adding to as the years go by. But one of the things that I've concluded from, from looking at some of these stories of famous travelers and explorers is many of these guys had similar hardships. They came from similar difficult backgrounds. They had situations where their fathers died. They had situations where they had 
had gotten into trouble maybe when they were younger or they needed a they felt a sense of urgency to get out of the confinement of where they were and explore the world and i think if you read about these examples and these stories it, it might inspire you to do something similar i'm not saying you need to go off to antarctica or go to the uh, across the Sahara Desert, or, or you know, maybe you should. You know, maybe, maybe that is a good thing. I'm not saying you shouldn't either. But what I'm trying to get across to you is sometimes a change of environment can be the best thing for you. If you're getting ready to graduate from college and you're feeling unhappy with your present circumstances and you don't feel like your environment has much to offer you, then you, you need to change your environment. And it may be the best thing for you to pick a career or a temporary job where you are physically removed from everything that reminds you of the bad memories of the past. And I really, really believe in the therapeutic, the redemptive power of changing your environment. You've got to get out of your environment. You've got to get away from the bad memories. And you've got to get to a place and a situation where you can make your own impact free of the baggage of the past. That's why people have always traveled, moved around, done different things. And how does this relate to the story that I told at the first, at the outset of this podcast? Well, this is how it relates. The moral of that story was, don't ask for permission from other people to, to improve yourself. When, you've, when you're on the cusp of, of great deeds, of great events, just do it. You don't need to ask someone's permission. You don't need to get someone's approval. You just do it. And I'm not saying from your email that you're looking for someone's approval or that you're, you're groveling or doing anything like that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is you need to adopt a little bit of that spirit. Adopt a little bit of that attitude. And what I mean by that in some ways is that by holding on to the resentments of the past, by holding on to the resentment that you feel towards losing a father, towards not having the type of family situation that you would like, you're... You're trying to blame someone. You're looking for someone's approval. You're, you're, you're looking for something that is not going to satisfy you. Okay, Your mother can't change the fact that your father died. Cannot. Okay, So by constantly focusing on the negative, what you're really doing is you're, you're looking for someone to blame. You're looking for someone or something to blame for your present feelings for your present anger and it sounds like you've got a lot of repressed anger over that and that's that's understandable man anytime someone goes through some hardships like that some trauma they're going to feel a lot of anger but you know again holding on to that all that's going to do is to cripple you and it's going to prevent you from taking charge of your own life you've got to live your own life you can't look around for other people to approve of your life. You know, By being angry at things that you have no control over, what you're really doing is you're, you're putting your future and your happiness in the hands of fortune and of the universe. Okay, 
instead of taking responsibility for your own life and for your own actions and for your, your own future, you're reflecting all this anger and negativity and bitterness on the universe. Okay? That's what you're doing. The right way to... Res after, now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't grieve. I think every, every person needs time to grieve. But once that time is done, you've got to move on. You've just got to move on. Because if you hold on to that, it's going to poison you. And look, you're never going to fully recover. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to completely wash the incident out of your mind and everything's going to be great for the rest of your life. You know, something, something, was, something was, was taken out of you. And you have to acknowledge that. But at the same time, you can put new things into you. Okay, you can't replace the, that very th thing that was lost. But what you can do is you can add on other different things that can help make you a deeper, richer, and better man and a better person. So don't look to other people for approval. Don't look to the universe to make you happy. Don't look to the universe to make you happy. Don't look to others to fill that void. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to get up off your ass. You've got to get, get up off your ass. You've got to get out there in the world. You've got to do something. Do something. Okay? And remember, you don't need anyone's permission to do that. You can do it yourself. It's a free country. All it takes is a plane ticket. And maybe spending a couple years abroad would be the best thing for you. It would help you put things in perspective, would help you get your life back on a different, uh, with a different, different set of lenses to view it through. That may be the best way to look at it. So those are my thoughts. Those are some of my thoughts about this question here. And, but, you know, man, I'm sorry. I really, I, I feel bad, you know, because I wish I could tell you that uh, it's no big deal, and you'll pick up, and, and and you will eventually. I'm not saying you won't do that, but you know sometimes things in life just suck. Sometimes things are just that's just the way they are, and there's no reason behind it. There's no rational explanation behind it. It just is. But you have to learn to swallow some pretty bitter pills in this life. You have to learn to swallow some pretty bitter pills. You have to learn how to eat bitterness. It's a Chinese expression, eating bitterness. But you'll do it. You'll do it because the very fact that you're looking for ways to solve the problem means that you're on the right track. I think you're on the right track. So just don't don't be too quick to look to other people for or, or to abstract entities for guidance or or for validation. You don't need anyone's thanks but your own. So just remember that story. Just remember that story. Don't thank me, boy. All right. I think that'll be enough for today. And until next time, I'm Quintus Curtius. Good night.